1: for another episode. I'm here with Abby. How you doing? Hello.
0: I'm doing well. Every time we come back, I always want to jump into singing the next episode, but I have to stop myself.
1: (laughs) I really want you to do that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like this is just like our thing. We just need to start figuring out how to get music rights for Licensing.
1: I feel like we actually did that in an earlier episode. I'm not going to lie. There was a hold up or something.
0: Yeah, but I feel like like, you could just say hold up. Hold up. They don't own that
1: hold up without like the cadence.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, yeah, I'm good. I'm happy to be back chatting. I'm excited for tonight's topic. And I also am feeling really good that the mental health episodes are out there. Me
1: too. So good, and I'm so excited for tonight's topic, which we'll share in just a minute. We'll keep everyone on the edge of their seat, even though it's probably going to be in the title. Yeah, um, <laughs> And I'm just excited to hang out with my friend. I need it.
0: Yes, and that's the thing too, I think, after putting out the mental health episodes, that it's just now we can be more free and open and discuss how mm-hmm. making the pod is mental health for us. It and totally seeing is. seeing your face on my Zoom, as long as it's not glitchy, is really helpful for me.
1: Okay, speaking of my face... I'm sure you can see, but I'm having a serious problem right now. It's not that serious in the scheme of real, like real problems, but I don't know if anyone else out there in the listener universe is having um, like mask knee from wearing a mask all day long. Because I wear a mask at at my work all day long, I'm getting like skin breakouts from wearing the mask.
0: I've been wondering if that was going to become a thing with people too. Because I yeah. assume you know, it's obviously a lot of moisture and
1: stuff yeah. going it's on in your face all
0: day, and. Yeah, I mean, somebody should start marketing maybe like Proactive Mask Edition or something. Yeah,
1: like it has like a lining in the inside that's like silicic acid or something. <laughs> <but> like <laughs> like whatever it's like some kind of skin treatment no it's hilarious though I feel like I have like a like a actual like outline of a mask in like acne
0: on my face right now (laughs) and is it an appropriate mask position is it telling you you're wearing your mask properly
1: well that's the thing I was gonna say next is like at least it indicates that I am a avid and appropriate mask wearer but
0: (laughs) (laughs) there you go it's a badge of honor
1: yeah there you go let's take shame out of it and just really like highlight it (laughs) <laughs> anyway, so I was like, oh, I'm going on camera, but I know this is a, this is a safe space with you, Abby.
0: Of course <laughs> it is. Uh, in your safe space of home, what have you been watching lately? Ooh, I'm glad you asked.
1: So I am obsessed with this show that maybe some folks have also watched or are watching called Pen15.
0: Ooh, yes, I've been meaning to start that.
1: Okay, so it's into second season now, but it's a Hulu show. But somehow, someway, CBC Gem here in Canada has picked it up on their app yeah Um, yeah. not even a good selection they have a great selection not even on their shout out to cbc gem (laughs) if anyone hasn't watched pen 15 just super quickly basically it's two women who are like our age like in their 30s who are they're two comedic writers and actresses they're playing themselves as like 13 year old girls So back in like 2000, 2001 and just like exploring what it means to be a 13 year old girl coming up in that particular moment. And obviously, like for me, it resonates because I was a little bit older than they are, but like it's definitely like of an era that I'm familiar with. Mm -hmm. So it's like deeply nostalgic, but it's also like equal parts raunchy and hilarious and like deeply beautiful and touching. They can get away with things because these women are like adult women that you couldn't get away with like kid actors exploring but then it's like these two women are adults and like we know that but we kind of forget that and all the other actors are kids (laughs) so it's like hilarious because they're like totally interacting with like real kids in the landscape of their school and their social world but I can't recommend it enough especially if you're like sort of similar in age to me and, and you
0: cool what do you watch? Are you watching anything? Well, I've been watching Pete the Cat with my kid. Yeah, solid. <laughs> For big solid. Pete the Cat fans. In terms of my own, strictly my own enjoyment, I've been watching kind of almost on repeat the Blackpink documentary on Netflix Ooh. called Light Up the Sky. Yeah, say more. Oh God, I love them. <laughs> I'm not quite a blink yet, which is what Blackpink fans are called, but like I'm working towards it. I'm hoping one day to have enough knowledge and enough game to be worthy of being a blink. But I know right now I don't know enough and I'm not hardcore enough to be a blink, but I'm working on it.
1: You're I'm working, working on, on it. it. You're yeah. gonna get your blink card, your blink yes. license.
0: Anyone who hasn't heard of Blackpink, look up their songs. They're just they're so good. They had a big single out this summer with Lady Gaga called Sour Candy. Ooh. And also another song with Selena Gomez that came out that's called Ice Cream So that might help people who wouldn't think necessarily That they'd listen to a K-pop group But if you're into pop, then that yeah. can be like your gateway into it
1: They're crossing yeah, over
0: Their first full-length album just came out uh, In the last month And it was, it's called The Album and it's, yeah, because they've <laughs> just the out point. singles. They've been together for several years now. Oh, wow. And I'm obsessed. They're great. It's really fun documentary. Mm-hmm. You get to know a lot about them. You get to learn about how inclusive a fan base it is and what a wonderful mm-hmm. community that they've built and that their fans engage in to just sort of lift each other up as well as lifting up the group. Mm-hmm. And yeah, speaking about communities and getting mm-hmm. engaged, let's engage our community. Tonight's discussion on consent
1: yeah so that's what we're talking about tonight talking a little bit about talking to kids about consent and this idea of bodily autonomy because it's not easy for everyone and so we want to explore that together here tonight and see what our community thinks about that topic and also how people are actually doing that in their own families so should we get into it let's do it
0: taking a little trip to the way, way back when we were kids. Meg, do you remember having the talk as a kid?
1: It's funny. I was thinking about this earlier. I don't have like, you know, I I know that I did, but I, I don't have like a super strong standout memory of like being sit down in like a single instance to like have a discussion about like what is sex or like what, you know what that means i feel like my talk was like parceled together over time okay (laughs) like in pieces i was also a kid who like appreciated putting my parents in a place of discomfort (laughs) so i would i would ask the little shit that i probably was would ask questions that i knew would like be squirmy so that's more my memory is like ask asking the question and sort of like knowing like, oh, this is gonna be funny and like or juicy or whatever. <laughs> but also being cu- curious, right? Like there is like a genuine curiosity there. Yeah, I think they were just like pretty frank about like this the science of sex and sexuality and, like, reproduction. And then, of course, like, you know, I remember stuff like, you know, when two people who love each other, blah, 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 (laughs) layering in some of, like, the morality around or, like, what they felt was, like, the values that they wanted to place on that, you know, being part of the conversation as well. What about you? Do you have strong memories about having a talk? I have
0: zero memories of having a talk. I don't know. I feel like my memories maybe are cobbled together a little bit from television shows of the era, So I'm sure (laughs) I learned something from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and I'm sure I learned something from that TV show with the doctor husband and the lawyer wife and their multiple children who lived in the house together. (laughs) That
1: that shall not be named.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I don't remember sitting down and having a chat with either of my parents or anything. Mm -hmm. Maybe I did though. It's possible I just don't remember.
1: I feel like your parents are going to be like, we did. (laughs) I just don't recall. I'm really interested to hear from our community on that one. Maybe when we... Um, will like put a shout out out and call out like how people's families you know in a previous era were having that conversation I don't know if like our memories are foggy because we've like blocked it out or (laughs) if like it really didn't happen but yeah I think we're both on the same page we kind of both don't have like a super strong example of like yes this thing happened when I do seem to remember like getting older and like as a younger teen starting to date Mm -hmm. and there being discussions or, like, implying certain things about what I was allowed to do. Them asking questions in subtle ways about, like, what's that relationship like? You know, like, right. kind of seeing, like, if I was experimenting at all. Okay. Um, Like, my memories of that are stronger than, like, being small and having those conversations. Right. And so, like, are, more, like, probing.
0: Mine are strictly pop culture, which I guess is kind of on yeah. for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. What about, like... In school, do you remember like sex ed and what that was like and what kinds of conversations they were having in your school environment?
0: I remember we did sex ed in elementary school. I want to say like grade four. And it was just mostly Mm -hmm. reproduction. Yeah. And so it wasn't about consent or body autonomy. It was more Mm -hmm. just like the egg goes into the fallopian tube and like this is how a baby is made and a song. Yeah. Yeah. Like learned about puberty.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they weren't conversations about like intimacy.
0: No, like, not intimacy, not pleasure, not uh, mm-hmm. engaging, actually engaging in sex. I believe it was. Just, yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I'm thinking about it. We did talk about reproduction and like how things occur in the
1: reproduction cycle. How it all cycle, works.
0: But yeah. I don't remember it being like two people get together and have sex. Okay. Interesting.
1: Yeah. It's like, it's like almost dehumanized, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's like... Even though it's, like, so deeply <laughs> human, it's, like, God forbid we actually position it in our human experience as, like, you know, something that we are going to engage in, right, in some way in our life. I feel like I have a very similar memory of sex sex ed and sexual health, like, it being very um, scientific uh-huh. and very much about like yeah like reproductive science like I don't have any memory of yeah definitely not talking about like pleasure like you said or Absolutely um man. or like other kinds of like sexual activity so whether that sex is all of these different things um that can be great and wonderful and you know definitely it wasn't taking like a sex positive approach um mm-hmm. but then also like definitely like heteronormative. oh for sure that nobody was talking about that all the different kinds of intimacy that people of all different identities can have with one another mm-hmm. so those were not conversations that were happening in the 90s in no, sex ed no I 90s kids we missed out on some yeah. stuff
0: I remember being like a 90s kid mm-hmm. learning about like good touch and bad touch did you learn about that at school was it from your parents like what was the conversation around mm-hmm. body safety
1: Ooh, good good question and I feel like Maybe, yeah, that part of the conversation as a little person was like, no one should ever touch you in your privates. Mm. I don't remember using like anatomical language or like, or like your bathing suit areas. And if anyone ever, you know, does that or touches you in that way, you need to tell us like right away or whatever. So I do remember some of that coming from like my parents. Did you have those discussions in school?
0: Yes, that's where I remember We did a lot of stranger danger and personal safety. Oh yeah, that's what it was called. We did personal safety kind of sessions. Mm -hmm. I remember doing it in phys ed class as well as in like, you know, grade one and stuff where if a stranger is approaching you in a car, then, you know, you turn around and run the other way because you'll have time before they're able to turn the car around. Or- (laughs) Yeah, just like if somebody's touching you in a way that makes you feel uncomfortable, then you find an adult that you trust and you tell them. And we had a book, I can almost see it clearly in my head. It was a Mm -hmm. book that we were given, um, just like a story about a kid who was abused and just sort of what like the steps were. So, you know, this person who they're supposed to feel safe with touched Mm -hmm. them inappropriately. And this child Mm -hmm. then should tell their parent or tell their teacher or tell like a trusted Mm -hmm. adult in their life. And then I also remember Mm -hmm. learning in phys ed class, kind of like what to do if somebody like grabs you in a way that makes you feel uncomfortable. So we learn like different, how to like break a, somebody grabs your wrist or something, how to break mm-hmm. out of that hold or what to do if somebody's coming towards you in a certain way and it's making you feel uncomfortable. So we learned mm-hmm. those kind of things, which I still remember to this day and I still use. It's like skills mm-hmm. that I still brush up on. I'm like, okay, if somebody grabs your wrist, find the weak point and break through there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like Red Rover style. <laughs> um You know what's really interesting, though, in what I'm hearing us both say is that the approaches of the era that we grew up in, albeit like necessary and maybe good and useful information, seem to really be focused on how, as a person who may be being victimized, Mm -hmm. you can protect yourself or you can respond or you can, and not so much conversations around how do we ensure that our behavior isn't harmful toward other people? So a really interesting focus on the response as like a person who's maybe being targeted by abusive behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, But definitely I have no memory of ever talking about the other side of that. So how do we make sure that we're respecting people's boundaries? How do we make sure that we're, you know, obviously from a stranger danger perspective, that's probably not going to be the, where the conversation lives. But it's just, it's sort of interesting that like, you know, even as little kids, when we're learning this stuff, there is like a habit of it being about how do you protect yourself?
0: Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. Like you learn about personal space and your personal bubble. And Mm -hmm. I vaguely remember doing kind of activities with hula hoops so that we could determine (laughs) how big of our bubbles were.
1: Right. And to like, yell. I I remember being
0: told to yell if someone came in your bubble and you didn't want them to.
1: Yeah. But I think like where I'm hoping that we are shifting with our Mm -hmm. conversations around this stuff is to a place that acknowledges that that's only half of the education necessary to prevent Mm -hmm. abusive behavior, Mm -hmm. right? And so how do we, in the era that we live in now, integrate the consent piece as a an essential part of any conversation about body safety, body autonomy, where we are making room to not only like equip ourselves and be safe and, you know, be able to respond in a effective way, but we're also equipping everybody to think about how do I ensure that I'm not being harmful with my behavior?
0: Yes. That's the piece that definitely I feel like is often lacking.
1: So I just want to give a quick definition of body autonomy because maybe that's not a term that people have heard before. And essentially we're talking about autonomy means the personal uh, power over, and then body is like, you know, your body. So the right to choose what happens or doesn't happen to your own body. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the language that, you know, is really good language to be pairing with any discussion around consent, Absolutely. which is what we're talking about tonight. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. And why do you think that this is a bit of a tricky topic for some people to tackle? Actually, you know what? Let's take a quick break and come back with those answers. Ooh.
1: So, why do you think that this ta- topic can be tricky for people or feel uncomfortable?
0: I think consent forces people to think about their own boundaries and how they articulate them and how they deal with it when, because people disrespect their boundaries and also the idea of disrespecting other people's boundaries. Mm -hmm. I think maybe there's a discomfort because when you examine your own actions and you find maybe you're behaving in a way that doesn't kind of mesh with what you would expect of yourself, that's uncomfortable.
1: But Mm -hmm. honestly,
0: overall, this is one of those topics where I feel like this should be like the fastest conversation we've ever had, because consent (laughs) seems like, you know, like it just, it seems like common sense, but then common sense isn't actually common anymore. Or maybe it never was. It's just like one person's common sense is different from another.
1: Ooh, that's powerful. Is it does come? Are we living in the 2020 twilight zone where common sense there is not a common common sense i think we might be i think we might be
0: why do you think people have a hard time talking about this talking about consent and body autonomy
1: i think that at the end of the day it all roads lead back to talking about sex Mm. and sex is we live in a culture where talking about sex is still very taboo Mm -hmm. even though we've evolved in certain ways and Like, sex is everywhere, right? It's everywhere we look. It's all around us. It's like, you know, it's the thing. It's the currency. It's like sex sells, which is like so cliche. But, you know, it it is mobilized so frequently everywhere we look. Yeah. But we are so bad at actually talking about sex and intimacy. And that's just a cultural habit. It's like this thing that we mobilize to sell things and you know obviously it's sex it feels good and it's there and everybody knows it's there but we're really not great at actually um, normalizing talking about sex in ways that takes shame and stigma out of it and I think that's that's where it lives right like Mm -hmm. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of patterning around like sex is shameful Mm -hmm. and it's like it's just it's as a like culture at large like we have to unlearn that because I think that's where risk lives if I'm honest but I also feel like shame consent
0: of course lots of the conversations around consent have to do with sex but consent isn't Mm -hmm. always just about sex right because it's about like letting people into your space or deciding that you Mm -hmm. don't want somebody in your space and that lives just even for instance I'm not like a huge I'm not really super into hugging yeah like that's yeah. one thing that I kind of hope sticks when the mm-hmm. vaccines come in that maybe like, we yeah. won't all just hug all the time anymore <laughs> because for me, that's, that's just again. not something like that doesn't really feel good for me. Yeah. You know, there's like other steps leading up to it. So when we're talking to kids about it and if we're talking mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. for instance, like we're going to talk later, I'm sure about what we're doing with our kids and talking about consent and body autonomy, but mm-hmm. you don't have to start every conversation about consent. Also talking about sex.
1: I love that you just said that because, like, that's the number one thing that I think people get wrong when they think about having these conversations with their kids, that, like, they're too young, it's too titillating, or, like, it's too mature of a conversation for a small person, a small kid to be having. When in reality, it's all of those things that you just said. Conversations about c- consent throughout childhood can be very scaffolded, which is a term I think we've used before. But like you start with an accessibility point that makes sense. Um, that's also going to be important throughout life. Like you said, like, what is my boundary? What are my, what is my bubble? I just a base understanding of like, I get to decide mm-hmm. what happens to my body. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the right. It is my fundamental right to decide what happens to my body that's the base message that we build from right Mm -hmm. and then it's the context about what we are talking about maybe shifts and changes as we mature and as our relationships with other people mature I mean and I think even to add to that like in the cultural moment we're living in when we talk about like the right to decide what happens to our body we're even facing a reckoning around what that means for us from like a women's right to choose perspective like this is not always about sex it's about having the authority over what happens to our bodies whatever that might be
0: right yes making sure that we all have the final say over what happens to each of our individual bodies
1: what else do you think people get wrong when they're like approaching these conversations is there anything else that jumps out for you that you're like Oh, that's, an, that's innocent, but it undermines this idea of having autonomy.
0: Mm. Well, I don't know if it's gets wrong, but maybe it's just coming from uh, misguided or misinformed or just sort of even like an ingrained place. But the idea, for instance, like I just said, I'm not super into hugging, but the idea mm. of forced hugs, like where it's like, you know, mm. go mm. give your grandparent a hug or when okay. you see your friend, okay, make, go hug them goodbye or go give them a kiss or go do... A, B, C, mm-hmm. or D, where it's like you're trying to lead the person towards an action as opposed to giving the option of what the action is.
1: Yeah. Why do you think we do that? Why do we say go kiss grandma? I don't know where that came like, from. What is that instinct?
0: I don't know if it's just, I don't know, maybe it's just some, like an old timey thing where that's just how people greeted their elders and that's like a sign of respect maybe. Yeah, or yeah. like, I'm not sure what the basis for it is, but I mm-hmm. think it. Something that, like, maybe Grandma doesn't even like kisses. Like, you know, (laughs) like where you're taking Grandma's like, I don't
1: want that stinky (laughs) kid all over me.
0: (laughs) Where it's just, it's an interesting thing that we just automatically do without necessarily thinking about it. Whereas if you don't run over, like, that doesn't have to be the way that you show affection. Affection doesn't always have to be Mm -hmm. physical.
1: Yeah, I think it's also like so many things that we talk about. We're afraid to offend somebody. Mm -hmm. right that by like not putting their need ahead of our kids need to be like safe and autonomous Mm -hmm. um like I'm I'm totally guilty of that and I'm like an educator on this as like my paid work right and Mm I I have to even sometimes check myself and it's as much as you know it's as small as changing what you say Mm -hmm. so now I would never say go make body contact x with x person (laughs) in that way it's it's all it's all about choice because a lot of the time my kids are very physically affectionate human beings like they actually do want to do that thing and they're i'm actually just trying to like remind them that like so and so is leaving so if you if you wanted to do that now like now's the time so i i've just really tried to like mindfully like switch how i say it so i i always start with if you want to you can give so and so a hug because they're leaving or you can just wave goodbye right? So just like providing yeah. like that dichotomy. Yeah. Um, because when I'd be guilty I, of it. When my
0: kid was little, I remember because again, I'm just going to keep repeating it. Maybe just as a mm-hmm. reminder to everybody in my life, I don't really like hugs, but yeah.
1: <laughs> I but feel like because, this is an intervention <laughs> this is at my me PSA. right now.
0: <laughs> uh, because when my child was small, I think I'm cognizant of it because mm-hmm. um, like he was never super into giving hugs either. And so, I would just start saying to him, okay, like we're leaving. Do you want to do a high five, a handshake or wave? Oh, I love that. And he would just like pick options, and then, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so then he would do it and then it's not a big deal. And then I'm saying it out loud so that the other person Mm -hmm. knows the expectations as well.
1: Yeah. And on my end, like I have the reverse problem with one of my kids, my littlest, he just wants to be all over everybody all the time. So even when he would be at daycare, like, you know, they were even, they were like, talking to him about like their personal boundaries because he's he's a very physically affectionate kid and he really craves touch Mm -hmm. and contact Mm -hmm. so my conversation with him on the flip side of that is about being responsible for recognizing other people's boundaries and even as a three-year-old like we're having that conversation right like you need to ask before you grab so-and-so's leg or before you like throw all your body weight onto your daycare teacher and so for me I'm like already recognizing oh like he has a need and like that's a need that we can meet for him but he also has to understand even at three that there's people have boundaries and Mm -hmm. he needs to ask permission to make that kind of contact. And that's so that's really interesting. It shows both sides of that.
0: Yeah. And like boundaries, that's an easy end to the conversation around consent and body autonomy with our little ones, right? It's sort of mm-hmm. one of those things where we talked about the idea of introducing like race and racism, talking about fairness. Fairness can also be a concept that works talking about that. Like it's not fair that you're doing this to somebody who doesn't want that, or it's exactly. not fair if somebody's trying to hug you when you've said no.
1: Mm-hmm. Totally, I love that. I really like that, and it makes it very accessible and then again, that's the foundation that we build the house on, right? And we get to continue to add pieces to that um, that knowledge house or that puzzle uh, around this topic. I also think like people as a culture, we kind of get wrong, kind of we have sometimes a limited perspective of what consent is in terms mm-hmm. of like it being a yes or a no. So I want to talk about this acronym that I like to use when I'm doing this work with kids, but I think it is really important for anybody to sort of broaden our understanding of what consent is. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's, it's fries. So some people may have heard this before. Like Um, French fries? Like
0: F-R-I-E-S? Yeah, exactly.
1: F-R-I-E-S. You got it. And it just is like a nice piece that is easy to grab and use to have a more nuanced idea of what it means to have affirmative consent, like I said. So F is for freely given. Mm-hmm. So if for us to have affirmative consent, it has to be given freely and not under coercion or duress. Mm-hmm. R is for reversible. So just because Ooh. somebody says something's okay in one moment does not mean that in the next very next moment they don't have the right to reverse that decision. That's important. Everybody does. Everybody does, no matter what's going on. I is for informed. So what this means, and this is how I explain it to kids, is that if somebody said to me, "Hey, do you want a swirly?" and I understand a swirly to be like a slushy ice cream treat that uh-huh. you can get from the corner store, but what they're talking about is putting my head in a toilet and flushing the toilet because that's another <laughs> kind of swirly. Uh-huh. I, that's not. I'm saying yes to something that I'm not informed about what's about to happen. I think it's something and they think it's something else. So yeah, it's like from
0: an academic standpoint and science standpoint to participate in any sort of research study, you need to give informed consent. So they provide you with yes. a form ahead of time. They tell you kind of what the aim of the research is a little bit about what they're going to do so that you know what you're agreeing to be a participant in.
1: Exactly. And this is a part that can get murky when like, you know we're talking about other things right so in being informed is essential this is part essential part of consent e is and this is one of my favorite parts of the puzzle enthusiastic or excited you know if somebody is consenting it's not a timid or seemingly disinterested yes it is a clear enthusiastic i want to participate in the thing that i'm being invited to participate in right and we have enthusiasm around whatever's going to happen there. Okay. And I think we can generally understand and tell when we have that and when we don't, right? Mm-hmm. We, we, we're pretty good at like catching a vibe, whether somebody's enthusiastic or not, or excited about what's happening there. If they seem scared and nervous and not that enthusiastic, that's not enthusiastic consent. And then lastly, mm-hmm. the S in our fries stands for specific. So if I said that I want to give you a high 5
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's what we agreed to. And then you come and you reach in and you pull me in for a hug. That's not, I did not specify that that was okay for me. The specific thing that I consented to was my high five. Right. Not the hug that you just decided was going to happen in this interaction. So I really like fries because those are complex ideas when we're agreeing with or we're making an agreement with somebody about something that's going to happen whether it's like we're talking about sexual consent or whether we're talking about anything right Mm -hmm. if we can ensure that we have fries with our consent at least we're able to kind of unpack some of the more like nuances that are there with um what affirmative excited consent actually needs to look and sound like
0: can i say it back to you to make sure i get it because i've never heard that acronym before
1: yeah please do okay so
0: fries f was freely given Yep. R is reversible. Got it. I is informed. Yep. E is enthusiastic and excited. Yep. And S is specific. 100%. Nailed it. All right. That's easy enough. I like that. Acronyms are handy. That's a good thing for how my brain works. Yeah.
1: I like a good acronym too. And I know like kids also really work well with an acronym that they can grab onto and when I do this work with kids in schools like often if they if they walk away with anything it's remembering like the acronyms that we might work with because there's a few that we use for different topics so Mm -hmm. I just wanted to make sure that we we threw that out there for everybody to think about
0: thanks Um, for sharing that one
1: that's a good one yeah no problem do you think that like we we kind of are in like this like I've mentioned, like a cultural moment. Mm -hmm. Why do you think this topic is like so important right now in the moment that we're in?
0: Me too. Mm -hmm. Hashtag me too. Yeah. From When was that? 2017. So that sort of broke open into the mainstream because when you have celebrities openly talking about something, then it sort of filters down and it kind of creates a bit of a cultural acceptance around things, which is why pop culture mm-hmm. is important. Uh, that's how a lot of people get their messaging. So I think yeah. that makes it really important. I think the fact that we're in such a digital era,
1: yeah, which,
0: which will be another topic raising kids in the digital era, but <laughs> <laughs> I <don't remember laughs> uh, yeah, I think th- like those are two big ones. And just also people aren't being quiet anymore about things. And so when people are using their voices, then you're realizing how systemic and how insidious things are, where sometimes Mm -hmm. something's happening and you think you're the only one. And then me too comes along and you're like, oh shit, Mm -hmm. not just Mm -hmm. me, but like literally everybody in my life.
1: Yeah. Oh my. Like it's, it has been, you know, a cultural reckoning in the last several years, specifically, you know, around the me too moment and accountability. Mm-hmm. I'm sure like there's lots of much more educated people than me that are breaking down like why now and like why we have this, this tipping point where this discussion is such front and center part of what we're talking about. But I'm really glad we're there. I mean, we're not all the way there, yeah. but I'm really glad that like, something that used to kind of be a shadow conversation is suddenly being launched into similar to like systemic racism and mm-hmm. some of the other pieces that, you know, are suddenly being launched into a very visible space. And I think you're right. Like there's a cascade when we have courageous people who are doing the, like, what seems like impossible by like speaking up about their experience and standing truth to power. Which I just want to interject inter- really-
0: inter- for one second. Yeah. But I think also... Even if you're not speaking up, you're still courageous.
1: Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Thank you for saying that. Absolutely. Courage takes many, many forms, especially when we're talking about somebody's consent being ignored mm-hmm. um, and not being respected. But, you know, the, f- the fact that we have had people be very, like, you know, public with what some of their experiences have been has suddenly given permission in a lot of ways for other folks to start to, like, ex- demand accountability. Mm hmm around this piece. And I think we're shifting, you know, culturally in terms of where we understand, like we were, we opened the conversation talking about protection and safety. And mm-hmm. I'm noticing a real appetite for shifting to a place where we're talking about accountability and boundaries and behavior. And respect. Um, in a, And respect in a way that we maybe haven't put in the in the center of the conversation in the past we have a, we do still have work to do mm-hmm. but it does does it feel like it's changing to you i think so
0: i it's been talked about like we're having this conversation now i don't know that we would have necessarily been having this conversation openly mm-hmm. like this five years ago it would be more
1: mm-hmm.
0: like i've had conversations with friends over the years where it was like oh that creepy guy and you know you mm-hmm. sort of like you know the, the whisper network
1: mm-hmm Ooh, I like that the whisper network. yeah,
0: yeah like yeah, we're just like one person's talking to another person. so you sort of share your information that way instead of things being out there. And so then it's harder to keep a larger group safe if everything's pushed underground
1: absolutely. And what would you say, like, because one thing I, we sometimes hear, is oh well like now you know we're living in like a consent culture moment where you like you can't even like approach somebody or talk to somebody without oh my being gosh. harassment that's so your irritating to, that to me
0: because if you're yeah. looking for the loophole maybe there's something bigger issue that you need to be looking at in how you approach mm-hmm. people like if you're concerned that you can't say hello to somebody then maybe think about the way that you're saying hello
1: yeah yeah totally if you're like regularly being misinterpreted <laughs> For how you're approaching or, and it's also this like insidious thing where like a person re-centers themselves as somehow like, you know, being the one who's- Victimized. Being victimized or whatever in that exchange is really problematic.
0: Yes. And like even- We're talking a lot about consent sort of from an adult perspective as well, but I think that's important that we get a firm understanding of it ourselves, having not grown up with this being such a touchstone and such an openly discussed topic Mm -hmm. that like we need to kind of familiarize ourselves with it more so that we are comfortable and educated enough to be able to comfortably speak to our children and start at Mm -hmm. a young age all the way through so that uh, we're not being thrown these curveballs or we're not surprised at the... Ideas that are mm-hmm. involved in it, and so I think like we'll we'll talk a lot more mm-hmm. about our kids and what that looks like for each in each of our lives later. But I think it's important to also mm-hmm. ground it in adults as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I used to say this because I've I've done quite a bit of like child abuse prevention work in my career, and I used to say this to roomfuls of people who were learning to be, um, you know, prevention leaders in their own community because like, you know, a fundamental best practice in Good touch, bad touch, like abuse prevention, is that we call body parts by their anatomical name, Mm -hmm. um, so that we give kids that language to be able to, you know, express uh, clearly if, you know, if something is happening for them. Mm -hmm. So instead of like wee wee and pee pee or whatever, we may have cutesy names for like genitals. You know, we're like really encouraging uh, normalization of penis and vagina, or like, Mm -hmm. you know. You know bum like you know all of those parts of the body and people would really struggle with using that language even in like um like a space where they've come to learn about how to do this in their community and be prevention advocates and so it really connects to what you're saying it's like you have to get comfortable with the language you have to get comfortable with being okay with saying the words like we have to overcome our own shame and our own barriers on some of this stuff in order to be able to have those conversations in a productive way with our kids and I want to acknowledge that for some folks there's other layers to that story that maybe we have trauma or we have Mm -hmm. you know things that are making it difficult for us Mm -hmm. to speak frankly about some of this stuff and that is that's real so that can definitely be a barrier Mm -hmm. but you know the the more we can get ourselves to a place where we're comfortable the better job we can do having that conversation normalizing destigmatizing all that stuff
0: yeah and also one of the things that i read about using anatomically correct names for body parts mm-hmm. is that when a child is disclosing when something's happened it makes it clearer for the adult that they go to to understand what has happened because if you're yeah. using like a cutesy name that isn't widely known so the person won't know what you're talking about then the issue may be not be known to be as serious as it is or what exactly yep. has happened so it also helps if there's an instance of disclosure that needs to occur
1: absolutely it's like they can accurately articulate and also kids are super intuitive around shame Mm -hmm. and so like if we're using cutesy names or like we they, they sense that we carry a lot of shame around talking about certain pieces it then becomes kind of a barrier because that shame almost gets trickled down in a way like oh well I can't talk about that because it's uncomfortable and I know it's uncomfortable for this person when I talk about it there's kind of like two parts to that right both getting it right in terms of what they're trying to articulate but also Mm -hmm. is it allowed Mm -hmm. like am i allowed to say the thing the
0: scene Um, running through my head right now have you ever seen kindergarten cop that arnold schwarzenegger movie (laughs) that little boy who's like boys have a penis and girls have a vagina that's just what i'm thinking of right now my
1: dad's a gynecologist (laughs) he looks at vaginas all day (laughs) very normalized good for him
0: (laughs) momentum shout out i'm excited to hear this one meg who are you shouting out this week
1: so i want to shout out not a single person but i want to shout out an actual organization called mamas for mamas so mamas for mamas is kind of all over Canada but they have geographic specific programs but the really really cool thing about Mamas for Mamas beyond the fact that they provide tons of support and resources for parents and community they also have like a very significant online presence so there's like these large community groups on places like Facebook but what's so cool I want to shout out the, all of the you know people that are participating in that environment because you know we've talked in the past about needing a village and sometimes we don't always have that. Well, what mamas for mamas that environment is like is that people come on there when they're really in need or not or they just like have a question about something that's going on for them as a parent. And it's like a safe space. And I'm telling you, like somebody comes on there and says, you know, I've just left unsafe relationship and I'm having a baby. I have I have an apartment but I have no furniture. Can anyone uh-huh. help me out? You'll see within minutes, 10, 20, 50, all of a sudden like you know, just all these responses of like people in community being like, I have a couch, I have a crib, um, and really showing up for people in their moment of need. Or it's like, my kid is teething and I, nothing seems to help. What are you, what are you doing? And then all these folks show up for that piece of the conversation too so I just I love what's happening in the Mamas for Mamas community they do amazing work in community but they're also their village online is so impressive and I want to shout out all those mamas that are showing up for each other and people and parents that are showing up for each other both in their moments of need and just to like be a community and a village especially if maybe somebody doesn't have that in other parts of their life
0: Awesome. And I just pulled up their website now because I hadn't heard of this organization before. Mm -hmm. And then one thing that's catching my attention is they say, "While our name is Mamas for Mamas. We welcome caregivers of any gender identity or expression, including men, trans, non-binary, and two-spirit clients.
1: Exactly. They're so awesome. And they're even more awesome for making sure that they're being inclusive of everybody who can take something from this community and this group. So big shout out to Mamas for Mamas. We love your work. Keep it up.
0: Mamasformamas.org.
1: struggle like as a, in your parenting journey right now in this kind of topic area whether it's like sex and intimacy or if it's like consent and body autonomy stuff is there anything that you're finding uncomfortable or that like, you're struggling to address
0: well to be honest we haven't been speaking to our child about sex yet mm-hmm. we do kind of talk about intimacy and we do definitely mm-hmm. talk about like body autonomy. We definitely talk about consent and what that looks like. But I think as, uh, as my child gets older and the questions become a little bit more specific around sex, like for instance, if I ever need to make personal experiences <laughs> known to my child, I think that mm-hmm. will be uncomfortable for me.
1: Definitely. Like, I don't know, think you're alone on that.
0: And like, cause I imagine, you know, like we're trying to create an open space where as questions come up, our kid can ask right now, that's Mm -hmm. all well and good. But then the day Mm -hmm. when the day comes up and there's like a specific question about my sexual experience, (laughs) then I think I might be a little bit more like, uh, uh, yeah, uh."
1: (laughs) yeah, Yeah, it's pretty intense. (laughs) (laughs) What about you? So I think, uh, I feel like I have like a reverse problem at this point because I'm so comfortable with talking about some of these pieces mm-hmm. because i do it all day i wouldn't be able to do my job if i wasn't that my partner and i have talked about how my kids might actually not be comfortable with what i <laughs> my level with of your comfort does discloser? that make sense yeah like i'm pretty much like very open book around this particular topic and i like really try hard to make everything normalized to take shame out and now you know I haven't had my eight-year-old ask me who I lost my virginity to you know like if something like that came up I I can't I don't know like I don't I my thought is that I would maybe be like quite frank <laughs> mm-hmm. but like
0: I can't name, say frank
1: fresh. I'm just kidding it's <laughs> a terrible joke <laughs> no but like you were saying like a personal intimate question you know so far like I've been pretty like fine and comfortable and answering so there could be a question that comes that I'm not but I think for us it's all kind of I think I'm creating just like such an open space for all these conversations and my partner's been like he might not be a 14 year old who wants to talk to you about that <laughs> like, even if you're comfortable with it and you know open book like yeah it's so like, then I'm that comes be, like, down to boundaries it. I'm right? gonna be like totally I'm gonna be like the Fockers remember they were just so way too open it's not that there's a way too open like the but, meet the parents know, movie like, like
0: that Ben Stiller movie meet the Fockers okay. yeah yeah I was like wait yeah they're like kind of coming back
1: yeah, like Barbara Streisand's like a sex therapist, and so they have this like super open household where they talk about everything. And like Ben Stiller's character is like very mortified all the time. By, uh, okay, like, yeah, it's coming back to
0: me. Was Dustin Hoffman her partner? Oh yeah,
1: Was he's that- the okay. he's the partner. He's the dad. So yeah, maybe that's gonna be more like the challenge is like listening to what their boundaries are and like the door is open, but like you know are they're, they're gonna, gonna be like, no, we don't to. need to
0: see what's happening. Please shut the door. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah I it could come where I'm like, not comfortable but if anything I'm like okay I gotta listen to like even already like my eight-year-old will be like okay mom like I don't need to talk about this anymore <laughs> <laughs> um, so just listening to that what that boundary is
0: yeah okay I'm comfortable using anatomy proper anatomy mm-hmm. Although, honestly, I should probably do a refresher course because I'm not, like, like I know the words. I don't necessarily know where everything is. Like, if we were to talk reproduction, I feel like I yeah. still am not entirely sure how my kid got here. But yeah. so that'll be, like, something I'll need to brush up on for sure. But on I'm comfortable talking about it and I'm comfortable learning it and I'm co- really yeah. comfortable talking to my son about, like, personal body boundaries and expressing his personal body boundaries. Because I also... Mm-hmm. I'm actually a little bit nervous because I can see my son already. Like there are some kids that he just sort of follows blindly.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so like I just, mm-hmm. now I'm like feeling the urgency a little bit more of instilling in him and making up his own mind about things and mm-hmm. not just going along with things because your friends are doing it or because you want to be part of the group.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And obviously totally. that looks differently at three than what it'll look like, you know, at 13, but it's yeah. still the same idea
1: and i think that's there like across the board for all kids but like i get, like when you said that, that it was, totally can relate to that because i i have this fear around um how that also links in with like toxic masculinity like what mm-hmm. when this boys are like growing out and sort of this idea that like there's this normalization of like you know lo- quote locker room talk or whatever mm-hmm. um you know, where it's, it kind of undermines all these other discussions around consent and respect. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's like, obviously like your kid is three and like, that's not the, but it's like, what is the, what is the habit that you're building at three? So that at 14, Mm -hmm. you know, there's like a strong sense of self Yes, and to not be sucked in to like something that's toxic and harmful.
0: Yes. And something that maybe isn't even toxic or harmful, but just you're not personally comfortable with.
1: Yes. That's such a good point. This is like, everybody's boundaries are different. Right. And like talking, I think that's like a key strategy too, is like acknowledging that your boundaries are not going to be the same as person Mm -hmm. B's boundaries. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. What feels safe and good for you maybe doesn't feel safe and good for somebody else. And so there's two sides to that, right? It's like Mm -hmm. both you are entitled to have that boundary and have it be heard. And you have a, so that's a right, and you have a responsibility to pay attention to what other people's are.
0: Mm-hmm. And I feel like as coin. a general rule of thumb, if two people have different boundaries, you go with the person whose boundaries are...
1: More significant.
0: Yeah. I'm like, I can't mm-hmm. think of what the right word is. But yeah, like if exactly I'm like, comfortable mm-hmm. with you coming in and giving me a hug and somebody isn't, then you go with the person whose answer is, no, I'm not comfortable with that.
1: And the way, I, like I even talk about this with kids, it's like... The person who wants to have more contact is responsible for listening to the person who does not
0: mm-hmm. and
1: that's who gets to decide mm-hmm. right like that's whose boundary reigns supreme mm-hmm. so you've like talked a lot about you know some of the things that you're doing in your own family is there anything else that you think would be helpful that you guys are doing to have these conversations around body safety and consent
0: yeah we talk a lot about who the safe adults are in different mm-hmm. in different scenarios so for instance I'll be like if something happens at daycare like you go to this person if you're mm-hmm. at the playground with grandpa and grandma and granny you talk to like mm-hmm. this person or like you know if you're with mom and we're on a play date and mom like in the bathroom or something, then you go to who, like the other person who we came. We talk about who the safe Mm -hmm. adults are. And also just, Mm -hmm. we do, we practice like volume. So for instance, Mm -hmm. practicing saying Mm -hmm. no, when someone's Mm -hmm. hurting you or doing something that you don't like, you're uncomfortable with. And we're also firmly telling him, because, you know, we're always like, you know, say please, say thank you, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But now we're also starting to talk about how, when it's a situation where you're uncomfortable, you don't need to be polite. So like you just say, stop. You don't to say, can you please stop that? Or mm-hmm. would you mind not doing that? You just say, stop. Mm-hmm. And if they don't listen, you say it louder.
1: It reminds me of what you were talking about a couple episodes ago about people touching his hair. Yes. It's like in line with that in a lot yeah. of ways. Yeah.
0: yeah. Where we're like, yeah, get loud and get out. Find, the, find your yeah. person.
1: So there's this three part, little phrase and strategy that we used to use with like really little kids around body safety and it's borrowing from a program that like has been around since like the 70s that the Canadian Red Cross used to do it's called be safe but it used to be called the care program Ooh! and it's this really is, this
0: is oh trusty the puppet in my head. I don't trusty, know I the, remember the ambiguous bird okay tell me about it yeah so
1: when when you were talking earlier about your experiences as a kid, I, it was ringing in my, cause I used to like train people on that program. Ah. Um, it was ringing a bell in my mind. I'm like, oh, that was probably the care program, um, which is now called Be Safe. Okay. But um, it's like a school-based abuse prevention program. So this, this sort of like mantra of Be Safe. And it's, I think it holds up to be honest, cause it's simple, it's straightforward and kids, and it locks into what you were just talking about around your strategies with your kid is say no, mm-hmm. go tell. Like it's just a three part, super simple. And you get kids to repeat that over and over again so that mm-hmm. they have it. It becomes almost like an earworm. They practice saying it loud. Um, practice, right? Like mm-hmm. you're saying you guys have been practicing. Practice is really cool and important. Not just saying like, this is what we do. It's like, no, let me hear you. Let me hear you say it say and then like we you know you get them to like repeat it over and over again so it almost become rhythmic almost so that when something is happening that it has you know lots of fear attached to it which we can like freeze right with mm-hmm. fight flight freeze mm-hmm. when something is happening we have like a muscle memory of like what that strategy was so that just made me think of say no go tell when you're <laughs> talking about what you're doing so that's yeah. awesome yeah and we're also
0: on the flip side talking to him about when you hear no when you hear stop when you hear don't and we also mm-hmm. worked in wait or hold on. Those are words where like you stop immediately. You stop mm-hmm. whatever it is that they're asking you to stop. You stop right away. And then I'm trying to, because he's also in the why phase. I'm trying to also mm-hmm. teach him that those are the words that why it doesn't matter. They're saying stop. That's the important part, not mm-hmm. the reasoning
1: for it. Mm-hmm. You don't need to know that. Mm-hmm. That's theirs to know. Mm-hmm. And they don't have to tell you. Mm-hmm. and that's tricky especially when you have a curious little cat <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that's okay and as as they get older that understanding can become a little more nuanced with mm-hmm. something like fries right yeah like layers in more specifics around okay
0: hey, wait things. let me see if i still remember
1: hey, Fries. really giving. me
0: reversible yes informed you got it enthusiastic yeah. and excited specific yeah. Oh, a plus, <laughs> plus, plus, plus.
1: See, you <laughs> Got taught me it. something.
0: This is going to be That's with me awesome. forever now.
1: Sometimes I'll even bring fries for kids and I'm like, I'm really going to lock you in here. <laughs> <laughs> here is a small McDonald's fry.
0: <laughs> now we're going to talk about
1: consent. <laughs>
0: uh, so I'm going to just go ahead and assume um, you yeah. talk to your kids about consent.
1: Yeah. yeah what does that you, look like for in sure. your house? So it, it looks like starting really, really young. From the time that kids are verbal you know, talking about in ways that are accessible, the idea of boundaries and the idea of being in charge of our own body and Mm -hmm. that we get to decide what happens to it. Mm -hmm. You know, with really little kids, I like to use tickling as a vehicle for practicing, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. even like saying no, because tickling can feel good and fun, but it also feels bad sometimes. So it's an interesting place to like practice that if we're like tickling and like, they're like laughing, 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 and then stop, no, no, I stop immediately like there's no pushing and and then I stop mm-hmm. hands up and we make a real like point of like no you said no you said stop I'm stopped and then you know there's like a little bit of a game in it where they're like okay tickle me again and then you know we start again and we're just like really listening for those cues and like normalizing that that's the expectation when we're touching someone's body so that that's one thing that we're doing definitely really focused on like already you know with my eight almost nine-year-old like that sometimes when somebody, maybe their words say one thing, but their body and their body language and their tone. So just thinking about fries, like Mm -hmm. maybe it's telling us something else, just because it's convenient for us to just hear the yes, doesn't necessarily mean that we have. Yes. um, That doesn't necessarily mean that we have good consent. Right. And that's like from everything from like, well, he said I could borrow this, you know, like Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. borrowing something from a friend or taking something to like, yeah, body stuff as well. Yeah, and then just like all the stuff I've kind of been talking about, like really normalizing, like no question is a question that's off limits. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's just because of my comfort level doesn't mean that has to be everybody's comfort level, but just even like if you're not having frank conversations about what those things are, just when your kids know that they can come to you, Because you're able to be grounded and calm and even in a question that maybe is like you can feel it in your body Mm -hmm. is maybe triggering or uncomfortable. I would just like say like really practice staying grounded and and what your strategies are going to be. I think you want to,
0: I can't remember which article this was, but it'll be something we post in the resource where one of the Mm -hmm. strategies they're saying is if your comfort level isn't necessarily there, but you want to make sure you keep the lines of communication open. You can say, Mm -hmm. oh, that question caught me by surprise, but I really want to talk about this Mm -hmm. with you. Can we talk about it at dinner tonight or like, you know, give the times that you can mentally prepare yourself and get it, go into it, Yeah. but they know that you've also heard them and you're not like Mm -hmm. just dismissing what they've come to you with.
1: I love that. I actually haven't. I heard that strategy and I'm like super into it because you could even say, I love that you asked that question, Mm -hmm. right? Like I'm super excited that you asked that question. I need a minute to think about it. Mm -hmm. And that's cool too, because then you can normalize like, I don't always know everything. Mm -hmm. Um, I like that a lot. And then ground yourself. Yeah. Ground yourself and come back to it when you feel like you've had a chance. Cause it can, like you can get hit with a question that is a blindside and maybe we'll ask our our community have you ever been blindsided and what did you do with like a question (laughs) that's kind of in this topic area Um, maybe have other strategies yeah (laughs) 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 another thing Um, we do too we do
0: a lot of modeling where like I ask Mm -hmm. my son can I give you a hug can I give you a kiss Mm -hmm. like do you Mm want to hold hands
1: yeah, that's awesome. And you're like putting them in charge. You know what's really been interesting though? Because this is the the um, other side of like really like focusing on body autonomy is that my kid will try to mobilize body autonomy to get out of doing things. So oh, because we've been having, so I'm just prepping everyone for that potential not i wouldn't it's definitely doesn't make it not worth having the conversation but for example it'll be like you need to go have your bath or you need to get your jammies on or whatever like things that are or you need to eat like fundamental things mm-hmm. um my kid is like actually mobilizing like my body my choice in some of those moments <laughs> so like knowing it's a currency and he's like you know this is what's my body and i like i get to decide what happens to it um which is kind of hilarious and brilliant but also it's like defining that line for them as well mm-hmm. well when it comes to things that actually are about your safety and your well-being mm-hmm. because you have you know parts of your brain that are underdeveloped my responsibility is to actually take care of that for you so I'm making that decision for you because I'm here as like a caring and supportive person in your life but it's just kind of funny that he's like hey he's really like, oh, I, this. I know how this works yeah I'm gonna like take I'm gonna weaponize this like currency that is really important to my mom, clearly (laughs) not have to have a bath. So just prepare for that is all I'm saying.
0: (laughs) Good to know. Good to know. I could definitely see my kid going that route.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Did we cover it? Did we cover what we wanted to talk about today?
1: I think we did. I mean, I am really keen on hearing from the community and hearing how other people are having this conversation or these conversations, what they struggle with, any curveballs or blind sides like we said that um, people have had come up. Did maybe we maybe we did miss things. Maybe we didn't hit it with certain parts of this conversation. We'd love to hear what you think.
0: Yes, and let us know any questions too, because we will be happy to revisit this topic next season if there's something that you feel like we missed or something that you want to know more in depth. Otherwise, stay tuned for the pause.
1: And now it's time that we pause for momentum.
0: Listen, be heard. If they say, I don't know, or maybe, take it as a no. Understanding their yes is the only way to go. The same respect should be given to you to decide exactly what you are wanting to do. They decide for their body. You decide for yours. No one is owed. There's no keeping scores. You listen to them and be heard in return. Safety must be everyone's primary concern. At any time, you can change your decision, and they should stop with laser precision. Talk and listen the whole way through so that fun can be had by them and by you. If you like what you just heard, please subscribe to our podcast, wherever you find podcasts. Gaining
1: Momentum is written, produced, and edited by Abby and Megan, with music by Evan Dysart, and podcast art by Catherine Katcha. And a
0: special thank you to our podcast mentor, Belle, from the podcast Thirst World Problems.
1: Thanks, Belle. Thanks, Belle. And if you want to find any more info on any of their work, please check out the links in our podcast description.